Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes, and we appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And while you're turning, I want to ask you, uh, well, Robin and I had a a nice dinner last night. And uh, uh, we went to Thomasville and and it was just the two of us. The girls were uh, out with some friends of theirs. And and, uh, so uh, we were able to do something a little special for us. We went over to Jonah's and had a good time and and enjoyed that. And that was the first time I'd been over there, and it, it was good. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, and you know, we as Baptists, we love to eat. We love to meet and eat and all that kind of thing. And I want to ask you uh, think about your favorite meal. Now, I'm not going to ask you to to tell about it, and I'm not really going to describe mine too much because I don't want to make you too hungry while you're sitting here uh, waiting to go home to eat uh, dinner with your family. But uh, uh, just think about one of the favorite times that I had growing up uh, was any time that we went to my grandmother's house for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And... uh, my grandmother and my aunts and uncles and my mom all pitched in to, to take some stuff to to uh, grandmama's house and we had the the spread i mean it, it had a t- table just full of the food and and every time that we came in uh from uh, Charlotte up to Gastonia. Uh, we go into my grandmama's and granddaddy's house uh, every year. Didn't matter if it was Thanksgiving or Christmas. Uh, when we'd come in, my grandmama would be in the kitchen working at the stove, and my granddaddy would be at the small ta- breakfast table they had, and he'd be in there uh, uh, getting uh, the turkey all set and everything, taking care of the turkey. Sometimes he'd be picking the bones off, uh, picking the meat off of the the bones so that you wouldn't have to do anything. I mean, he'd be slicing the turkey and he'd he'd have it uh, ready by the time we'd sit down. So you just have to pick up pieces that you wanted. And, uh, my grandmama would take uh, all that gravy that was in there, and we'd have some of the gravy for uh, eating with the turkey and dressing and everything. But she'd use the other part of the gravy in the dressing and boy, it was so good. And, oh, and my mom would make uh, a potato salad and my aunts would make different food. And, uh, boy, it was just a wonderful... It was wonderful not just because of all the food, but it was wonderful because of all the fellowship we had with the family. That was two times out of the year. If we didn't get together at all any other time of the year, we always did. But if we didn't, you could always count on Thanksgiving and Christmas. We'd always get together and we'd get to catch up with everybody, what all the cousins were doing and how they were going through, uh, you know... uh high school and all that kind of stuff and uh, we'd just get together and have a good old time uh, just spending time together we didn't have to do anything special just being together was just such a wonderful thing and one of the things that uh, that you could count on when you'd get together like that is and I'm sure it's this way in your family as well you'd, you'd come away from the table holding your stomach and kind of waddling over to the couch to sit down to watch the foot 
football game or the parades or whatever and you'd you'd uh, feel full and and the other thing that always be present would be leftovers and that was sometimes better than the food the first time around wasn't it because grandma would just put a big towel over all the food and and, and uh, leave it on the table and we'd go and and spend some time together and do whatever and then we'd come back and we'd take the towel up and heat up stuff and it was just a, it was just a glorious time of eating good food and being together. And so today I want to talk to you about leftovers. In John chapter 6, we see a passage of Scripture in which Jesus has been uh, 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 teaching and He's been drawing crowds of people because He's been healing people. And look at, at chapter 6, verse 1. It says, And after these things, uh, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company uh, uh, come upon him. And he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that uh, these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. And one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here with, uh, that hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fish as many as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, uh, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. And then those men, when they had seen the miracle of Jesus did, that Jesus did, said, This is of truth uh, that prophet that should come unto the world. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. So what I want us to look at, we've been uh, entering into a study of miracles. We looked at miracles, what is a miracle and all of that last week. And we talked about some of the different uh, uh, characteristics of miracles last week. And we're going to continue that study this week with looking at uh, this miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 and the implications that it has, what it means for us. And, And I want us to think about the leftovers today. We think so much about Jesus feeding the 5,000, but I want you to, as we talk about this, I want you to think and keep in back of your mind the leftovers. Think about the leftovers. The leftovers that the disciples picked up and those wonderful leftovers at your uh, family's house when you get together uh, after a big, big meal. Uh, Just think about the leftovers. Now, what do leftovers usually mean? 
He usually means that everybody's had plenty to eat and everybody's stuffed to the gills and everybody's just all that kind of thing after you eat such a big meal. And it means that you have stuff left over. And so what we see here is is that Jesus is being followed by uh, the multitudes of people because they have seen Jesus do these miracles of healing those who are diseased. And Jesus kind of retreats across the Sea of Galilee with His disciples to a mountainous place. And He's trying to uh, get up there with His disciples to be alone with them a little bit. And the implication here is, is that they're getting together to celebrate the Passover. Now the Passover, if you'll remember, is a, a feast of the Israelites to commemorate the, the deliverance of, of God, of His people from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And it's to commemorate that, that uh, time in which God delivered them out uh, of Egypt and allowed them to finally come together out of slavery and to move and to become a, part, uh, a people of their own. And so Jesus is, is trying to retreat with His disciples. And the problem is, is that all the people that... I mean, it'd be kind of like if, uh, if everybody heard that there were people at... Uh, the Pelham High School gym that were inviting everybody to come and they were giving out $1,000 checks. Now, do you think anybody would show up to get a $1,000 check? I think I think everybody would do like uh, Robin did the other day when uh, she was uh, shopping with the girls and she was using a coupon that was online. She got each one of the girls to get their phone and to have a coupon. So she had four coupons instead of one coupon. I think there'd be everybody there with everybody and their brother and their sister and not everybody in their family and they, each one would want to get a $1,000 check. Wouldn't you? I mean, that, that's our human nature. We want... Uh, if there's something good, we not only want it, we want a lot of it. And here are these people, and they have seen and heard that Jesus is uh, performing miracles, and uh, they're excited about the fact that He's performing these miracles. They, you've got not just simply for the fact that they uh, that their family members and and they themselves that have been sick and diseased are getting healed, but they're excited about the implications of what that means. All throughout Scripture, whenever you have someone who is performing miracles like this, whenever you see someone like this, it is usually someone who is a prophet of God. It is someone who speaks for God. It is someone who represents God. And remember, uh, they have gone through about 400 years of not having anyone who has done anything like this. And so here comes Jesus and He's performing all these miracles. And it would... uh, Now, they all uh, have a... Uh, a knowledge of the history of Israel and they know about the prophets of old and about these prophets that perform these miracles, but none of them has seen them. And here comes Jesus and He's performing these miracles and they're excited. They're thrilled about the fact that Jesus has come and He's performing all these miracles. But right now, all they are doing is is they're seeing the benefit of Jesus performing these miracles. They have lost the sight of what the miracles mean. Now remember... 
Last week, and if you weren't here with us last week, we said that one of the aspects of, of the miracles that Jesus performed was to, was to indicate His authority as the Son of God, to indicate that God was with Him, that God uh, had His hand upon Him, and to indicate that Jesus and the things that He taught, the things that He said, were a message from God. And so uh, we, we have to understand that these miracles were performed not to amuse people, not to just simply benefit them by, by alleviating these diseases and things, but it was to, to point out that Jesus was, uh, has the hand of God, that He was special, that He was different. And for a lot of those people that were following after Jesus, uh, a lot of them were curious, a lot of them were wanting just to see uh, that kind of thing. It'd be kind of like if somebody was going around and they were uh, you know, throwing big knives up in the air and catching them and, and juggling them. Uh, we'd want to see it, but after a while we'd get kind of bored with it. Uh, and some of these people most likely were, were seeing the novelty of someone healing people, uh, albeit uh, from being blind and deaf and and mute and and having diseases like leprosy or having a withered hand or not being able to walk uh, all of these are uh, extravagant things that that no one else was doing but it would have easily been something that they would say okay i've seen that let's go on and so jesus is now uh going to perform a miracle that will indicate that he is something much more than just a holy man or a prophet or anything like that. So the Bible here says that as they were sitting there and Jesus was teaching His disciples, in verse 5 it says that Jesus looked up and He saw the multitudes of people, the crowds of people. And and it doesn't say here in John, but uh, it says it in some of the other Gospels that Jesus had compassion. The compassion in John is implied that Jesus sees all these people. They're hungry and, they're, and He sees more than just their physical physical hunger of their body, of being people that, okay, I know these people have been watching me for hours and, and most likely Jesus is probably thinking, I'm getting hungry, so they're probably getting hungry. But, and, he's, and so he begins to say to his disciples, what are we going to do to feed these people? He has compassion on them. He wants to meet their needs. And he sees not just their physical hunger, he sees the hunger that they have spiritually. Jesus is always seeing more than what we see. And Jesus knows the need that these people have. And so he begins to ask his disciples by way of challenging them. Jesus, John says here that Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus probably already knew the answer that the disciples were going to give. But he asked it anyway as a way of testing them and to causing them to think. You know, when uh, some of my best professors in college and seminary were not just professors in college and uh, it, that would tell me information, but that would ask questions and not just ask questions to know if I knew what was going on, but to cause us to think, to cause us to, to stretch our minds, to cause us to, to rationalize and try and understand what's happening. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He's asking a question of the disciples, not because He doesn't know what He's going to do, but in order to cause them to say, well, what is impossible for Jesus? 
One of the disciples says, if, if, all, if we had uh, $200, uh, 200 penny worth, we wouldn't be able to feed all these people. And besides, where would we go to buy it? He says, look at all the crowds. Uh, the Bible says there were 5,000 men. And we call this the feeding of the 5,000 because it mentions that number specifically. But if you understand and, and realize there was more than just men there. It just talks about the men, but it, uh, there was most likely their wives and their children. So, uh, you know, it could be on the upwards of 15,000, 20,000 people. We just hear about the 5,000 men. And feeding 5,000 by itself is an amazing feat. It is, but it's even more than just 5,000. See, there's just, imagine 20. 25,000, 15,000, between fifteen and 25,000 people standing around. And you've got all these people and Jesus wants them to have something more than just food. He wants them to understand who He really is. And remember, Jesus never performed a miracle that was just for show. He didn't do it just to simply... to <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. He never performed a miracle just to have people to see Him do something. It was always to meet a need, to, to force people to consider something more beyond than the, the mere act of His miracle. And so uh, he's urging his disciples to think more, uh, to think beyond the fact that he's just simply there and wanting to know how they were going to feed him. And one of the disciples, Andrew, said, "Well, and and I think that Andrew was being kind of facetious here. He wasn't now. Some of the other uh, gospels have Andrew saying, "Well, here's a guy who has some fish and some bread. Maybe we can do something with that." I think what Andrew is doing is, is he's going off of what Philip said. Philip said, "If we had two hundred penny worth, we wouldn't be able to buy everyone." And Andrew says, "And hey, yeah, here's a little kid that's got a lunch of some bread and fish, but we we can't do anything with that." And Jesus has uh, begins to instruct them, and he shows us that. He's able to do all things. And this is a miracle that, that is a, uh, what's called a nature miracle. It's, it's a miracle that uh, it takes something of nature. In, the, in this instance, it's the food. And He, he performs a miracle uh, with that uh, food that's there. He blesses it. He causes them to sit down uh, on, the, on the grass. And He begins to break the bread and hand it out. And... The Bible says that uh, they, uh, Jesus took the loaves and uh, when He had uh, given thanks, He distributed it to the disciples to give them to set it down as, they, as much as they would. Now, why didn't Jesus just hand it out to the people directly? Now, some people want to say, well, He's given it to the disciples so that they can help distribute it. That's possible. But there's another reason that it's also possible. He's not just encouraging the faith of the people that are eating, but He's encouraging the faith of the disciples. Here you are, you are a disciple, and you've seen that Jesus has a couple of fish and some loaves of bread, and He begins to tear it up and hand it to you to hand out. You have to have faith in order to turn around and go and hand it to other people and then turn back around to go get more. 
Because why? This is a small lunch that's big enough for just a little boy, not big enough to feed uh, five to twenty-five thousand people. And so here they they are demonstrating their faith in Jesus and going and delivering the food and coming back to get more. And the disciples are handing out the food to the 5,000 and they're coming back and they're getting more. And every time that they come back, Jesus still has more to hand out to them and they're handing it out. And the Bible says is that everyone ate as much as they would. Note that. They all ate as much as they would. This is the point in which Jesus instructs them to start picking up the leftovers. And they start going out and they're handing, uh, after they've handed out and everybody has had their full. People aren't just simply eating a little bit and then they're talking about getting some leftovers. Now, uh, even if Jesus would have just multiplied the fish and the bread enough to fill 12 baskets, that would have been a miracle in itself. Because you had just a small lunch and He's multiplied it enough to fill up 12 basketfuls. But He's made enough to where everybody's able to eat all that they want and to have leftovers. Now, the Bible then tells us about the fact that, thank you, that they, uh, Jesus perceives that some of them want to take him and to make him, uh, to make him their king. Now, why would this be included? Okay, we've already seen that Jesus has, has fed the 5,000 men, fed all the other people. They've had, uh, they have leftovers of bread and fish. And then uh, it says that they uh, perceive that He is a prophet, that He is uh, someone more than uh, who it's perceived as from just looking at Him. And then in 15 it says, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take Him by force to make Him king, He departed again into the mountains. Now why would they want to make Him king just simply because He's fed all these people? Well, think about life in the time in which Jesus is living. It's true then as it is today. One of the main needs that everyone looks to fill in their life is to have sustenance, to, to eat. Unfortunately, we spend a majority of our day making sure that we, either making sure that we can eat or feeding ourselves. That's how we live. That's how we sustain our life. Some of the other uh, uh, requirements or uh, needs in our life are for shelter, for clothing to cover ourselves, and for safety. But one of the main needs is making sure that we have food to eat, something to, to fill our stomach. Because we realize that if we don't, we can live without a house. We can go out under a tree or in a cave or something like that. We can wear the same clothes like I've been doing for uh, about 20 years now and, and wearing the same clothes I've, all, I've had for a long time until they fall to pieces. Uh, we can do that if we don't have a way of, of buying new clothes. Um, we, can, uh, we can surely make sure that we stay safe by staying away from bad people and bad things. 
So uh, all of those are pretty easy to, to cover, but the one thing that is essential to maintain life is, is that we have food to eat. If you stop eating, what's going to happen? You're going to get weak. You're going to be unable to, to do much of anything, and then eventually you'll die after a while. So we know that eating is, is essential. We'll, we'll all uh, die if we don't eat something. Uh, we can do without other things, but we've got to eat. Some of us do this too much, and we've got to worry about having eaten too much. But uh, uh, eating is important, and one of the signs of uh, a, a great prophet was the feeding of, of people. If you go back, uh, this is a sign, uh, basically, uh, that Jesus is is performing of uh, feeding the five thousand. Uh, if you go back to Exodus chapter sixteen verse fifteen, uh, the people of Israel are amazed when God provides what manna to fall from heaven. This this miracle corresponds with uh, the miracle of God to pro- to provide food for the people of Israel as they cross through the wilderness. And uh, and it it causes them to realize that Jesus is of God, that Jesus is like God in that He is providing food. It's also something that that they would look at at for not only a prophet but a king. And so Jesus uh, understands their desire. And and look, wouldn't that be wonderful to have? someone that that they take here here here's a cracker and then they break it apart and then all of a sudden you got a turkey dinner i mean wouldn't it be great to have somebody that could do that it wouldn't it be great to be able to open up the cabinet and take out a can of beans and and then all of a sudden you've got uh, a ham and and uh, dressing and, and or ham and rice and and macaroni and all that kind of stuff on the table just simply because you open the can and you start dumping it out i mean it'd be fantastic to be able to have some Someone who can do that. And the people here in Jesus' day, they spend all of their day, every day, making sure they have something to eat. It was something that, that they did day in and day out. It's like the woman at the well with the water. When Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman, she had her, her need was water. Because why? It's, it's something that is crucial for life. It's something that took up a majority of her day. She had to go down and, and draw water and and take it back to her dwelling place. It was something she did day in and day out. It was consuming. And Jesus said, hey, I'm the living water. By the way, this is the first instance in which uh, Jesus says, uh, of one of six times that Jesus says, I am. He says, here, I am the bread of life. And He's telling them, I'm more than just able to feed you, I'm able to give you life. And He means something more than just simply food. But He understands and knows that the people are just thinking of Jesus in terms of the physical food that they eat. And and they're seeing in their eyes, they're saying, well, if we have Jesus, we don't ever have to worry about being hungry again. We don't have to go out in the field and, and 
and plant uh, crops. We don't have to go out and work all day long uh, tending our flocks and, and tending uh, our, our crops. We don't have to go out and harvest all those crops and go through all of that. We just have Jesus. We just depend on Jesus. And, and Jesus says, I've got more than just simply bread to fill your belly, like He said to the Samaritan woman. I've got more than just simply water to quench your thirst. I have living water. And so Jesus is saying, I have more than just bread to give you. Secondly, this also corresponds with something else in the Bible. And that is, if we go back to the beginning of uh, before Jesus begins His ministry, right after He's baptized by John in the Jordan River, what does the Bible tell us that Jesus did? He went up into the wilderness and He was there for 40 days. And while He was in the wilderness, who came to see Him? Satan, right. And Satan came to Jesus to tempt Him to cause him to sin, <laughs> to, to kind of... Satan doesn't always have the agenda of destroying our lives. He just wants to distract us and to, and to take us away from our task. Here's Satan. He's trying to distract Jesus away from the task at hand. Jesus is preparing for his ministry and, and Satan's trying to derail Jesus. And the first thing he does is he plays on Jesus' hunger because he's been 40 days without eating. And what does he say? Hey, Jesus, I bet you you could take these rocks that are all around you and you could take them and just turn them into bread and you'd, you'd have more food than you'd, you'd need. You'd be so full, you'd be so happy, and, and you'd be content. Why don't you turn some of these rocks into bread? Jesus says back to him, uh, man doesn't live by bread alone. By, but by the words that, uh, that proceed out of the mouth. And so what he's talking about is, is that I've got more important things than just simply to fill my belly. It's important for me to share the, ministry, uh, the, the gospel message of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so this miracle of... Uh, now, there's some who want to say, you know, if Jesus would have succumbed to Satan and turned some of those rocks into bread and ate it and took care of himself that he possibly wouldn't wouldn't have wouldn't have been able quote unquote to do this miracle of feeding the 5000 i don't take that uh because of the fact that he he performs the miracle of feeding the 5000 here and as we talked about last week there's another instance in which he feeds 4000 so i don't think it's a one for one one off thing but what i do know is that if jesus would have succumbed to the temptation then he wouldn't have been the messiah to take care uh, to spread the message of god and to be able to take away the sins of the world he wouldn't have been able to be the sacrifice for mankind and so there would have been no need to spread any gospel message so what we see here is, is that jesus is seeking to do something more than just simply to to do things to draw attention he's trying to feed not just simply their stomachs, but to feed them spiritually and to help them to understand that. He feeds this multitude of people and they see Him as someone like Moses who, who prayed to God and, and God uh, uh, 
uh, rain down manna from heaven and and uh, they're seeing him as okay here's here's God he's going to provide for us and he's sent us Jesus to provide for us and Jesus says I've got something more than just simply bread he says to them I am the bread of life and verses 32 through 35 Jesus talks about him saying I am the real bread of life I'm I'm seeking to bring some and this miracle happens close to uh, the Passover now that's significant also in that uh, when Jesus celebrates his last Passover with his disciples, uh, we get from that an understanding of how these elements that are used in the Passover feast are indicating something different. He helps them to understand a new tradition of understanding the uh, the unleavened bread that was at one time to be a significance of showing the the, uh, quickness of of God bringing about His salvation to the people. He's sharing with them that salvation's come. Here I am the bread. He says, I'm, uh, as you take this bread and, and break it and eat it and consume it, he says, you're consuming me, my body, because I'm going to give my body up for you. When they take the wine, instead of the wine just simply uh, reminding them of the grace and the mercy of God and, and, and God's forgiveness, he says, through my blood, you'll receive grace and mercy and salvation, forgiveness through the washing of the blood. And it's not insignificant in that Jesus performs this miracle close to a prior Passover in that Jesus and His disciples probably were uh, talking about the pa- Passover as they, uh, they observed it. And here are all these people and they know and understand that the Passover is near and that they need to observe the Passover as well as good Jewish people. And Jesus says, here, I'm going to give you this bread. I'm going to give you this bread that is the bread of life and provide for you. So here's all these this is all the significance of all of this and we need to understand that Jesus Christ is the bread of life that he is the bread that does more than just simply to satisfy our hunger needs aren't you glad of that because why because uh, as big as your dinner may be this afternoon and as good as it is as good as my supper was last night at Jonah's and I ate some wonderful uh, grouper last night and it just melted and everything uh, and I was full last night. Guess what? This morning I was hungry again for breakfast, and I ate. This afternoon I'm hu- I'll be hungry again, and I'll have to eat again. This this evening I'll be hungry again, and I'll eat again. And I'm continually taking in. But Jesus is the bread of life. When you take a part of Jesus, and when you take Jesus into your life. You'll never be hungry again. You'll never hunger again. And just like the woman at the well, when she uh, took a part of the uh, living water that is Jesus Christ, Jesus said you'll never thirst again. When you take Jesus into your life, you'll never hunger again. Now, you'll have physical hunger in your life, but He meets all the needs that you have. He meets every need. Jesus meets the uh, needs of your life spiritually in your life now and forever forever. 
He doesn't have to go to the cross over and over and over again to die on the cross for your sins. He did it once and for all, and that's uh, and He is there to give you what you need. Jesus is the answer for uh, the people that were there as the bread of life. He is the answer for us today as the bread of life. And He will meet our needs, and He'll fill us, and He'll provide for us all that we need. And the leftovers, you thought I forgot about them, didn't you? Sometimes it's easy to forget about the leftovers. You put them in the refrigerator, and unfortunately they're there for a week or more, and all of a sudden when you're getting something out and you open it up, it ain't nice anymore when you open up that uh, Tupperware container anymore. Uh, You want to pour it out. But Jesus said, take up the leftovers. Don't forget the leftovers. The leftovers mean... The significance of the leftovers is is that He not only fills you to overflowing, there's more for others. There's There's so much more we need to go out and find others who need the, uh, the love of Jesus Christ, who need uh, the, the filling of Jesus Christ in their life, that have the need of salvation in their lives as well. And we need to take Jesus Christ to them. After you've been filled, don't just sit there and burp and, and say, oh, and only think about yourself. Think about all the others that are hungering, and thirsting out in the the world that need Jesus Christ as well. We need to carry the message of Jesus Christ and His love for their life. And guess what? There'll always be enough of Jesus for everyone. There's always going to be enough to fill everyone else and to be more so that others will know. There's a significance in the fact that there were 12 baskets. A basket for each of the tribes of Israel. A basket so that everyone would have uh, a filling of Jesus Christ in their life. And there's significance in the fact that Jesus is more than you need or I need is so that we'll take Jesus Christ to a world that is so hungering for Him in their life. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we pray that You'd help us to to understand that we can have all of our needs met with Jesus in our life, that You are there, the bread of life, to fill us and to cause us to understand that You have all that we need for our life. And You have more than enough for everyone else. Help us not only to accept You as Lord and Savior in our life, but to take You out into a world that is hungering and thirsting for righteousness as well, that desires to have You as a part of their life. And Lord, help us to take the bread of life to them as well, to take Jesus Christ not just in our life, but to the rest of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.